We are finishing up on the book of Galatians. We're actually in chapter 6, and uh, we'll finish up, uh, I believe, next week. So next week, I'll let you know the next place we're going in the Word of God. It is going to be good. It's the Word, and it's going to be great. So you ready for the Word? Stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read from verse 6, verse 1 down to verse 8. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit of the spirit reap everlasting life. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you for the word of God that is filled with the spiritual nutrients we need. We open our heart by faith, receive it right now. And we're nourished by it. Holy Spirit, we call upon you again as the divine teacher, that you would anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening. Father, open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said, that they walk away hearing from you, taking exactly what they need from this. And only you can do this miracle, and I believe it's happening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. High-five someone on the way down. Let's everybody turn around and welcome our online guests. So hello, there's many watching around the world. So it's a global ministry. All right, let's get into verse 1 and start unpacking our lunch, spiritual lunch, and then stay afterwards for our, our physical, natural lunch. Uh, we, we have spaghetti lasagna with garlic bread. Uh, I just, I just hear the smell of the holy offerings of the Lord as I go through there. So please stay. Made plenty for everybody. All right. Brethren, if a man's overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. He starts out the word brethren. In this book, Paul has used some very strong warnings. Matter of fact, the most strong warnings Paul will use in all of his writings is in the book of Galatians, in the book of Hebrews. And in these two books, he, he gives them strong warning, and both are dealing with the same thing. They're thinking about leaving grace, trusting in Jesus as their righteousness, and moving over and trusting in their own works and their own, their own righteousness under the law, and not trusting in Jesus and rejecting Jesus. And so Paul is warning them very strongly not to do that, but he calls them brethren. This means they have not crossed the line, that they're in Christ, they're, in, they're faithful to the Lord. He calls them brethren. It says, if a man is overtaken in a trespass. Well, ladies, this includes you. The word man is the Greek word anthropos, where we get anthropology, the study of mankind. So whenever you see this word man, it's including you ladies. Brethren, if anyone is overtaken in a trespass, look at the word overtaken. This Greek word means to take by surprise. To catch you by surprise because of a lack of circumspection or paying attention. 
You just weren't paying attention. You're caught off guard by it. Caught off guard by what? A trespass. A trespass or sin. And so, guys, let me tell you something, that you can be caught by surprise about what your flesh will do. What your flesh can do. And it's like if you stop uh, uh, seeking the Lord, you stop keeping your mind set on the things above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, stop focusing on spiritual matters, just get carnal and live in your flesh and live for yourself, before long you'll, you'll, you'll be shocked what your flesh can do. Because I want to bring out something. Your flesh did not get saved when you got saved. Your spirit got born again. Your soul's being saved. Your body's going to go through a resurrection one day, but you have what's called the flesh, and your flesh did not get saved. Your flesh does not get more holy, more sanctified. You have to keep the flesh under, and if you stop trusting in the Spirit, trusting in God's grace, His empowerment within you, and trusting in the promises of God, then you're going to slip right back into the flesh and go right back the way you were before you were saved. Just think about how were you before you were saved. Your flesh never changed. Your flesh still has that capability, and you can be surprised about what your flesh can do. The Christian life is not static, guys. It's always moving forward, or you're regressing backwards. And so the book of Hebrews was talking about them. It says, you once were teachers and ready to teach the Word of God. Now you need to be taught, once again, the very first principles. And so keep moving forward. It says, if a man's overtaken in any trespass, say any trespass. Any trespass. This means that some think so, their sin so much that it can't ever be restored. That what I've done is so bad that, that uh, God's done with me. But, uh, there's a test to see if God's done with you or not. Do you know what that test is? Put your hand over your heart. If it's still beating, God's not done with you. I don't care how recent your sin is, how bad your sin is. God is in the restoration business. He will restore you back. And I believe you can fly higher than ever before. That, it, that in the natural, if you have a broken wing, you can't fly as high. But in the spirit, I believe you can fly higher than ever before yes. by the power of God. And so if anyone's overtaken in any trespass, I don't care what you've done, you can be restored. Look at the word trespass. It means to step over a known line. And so, well, Pastor, I thought you said there were, you were surprised by it. Well, yes, you could be surprised by the temptation that comes to you about to step over that line. Because if you're not following the Lord and keeping your eyes, you think, you know what, I got this. I, I don't need Jesus anymore. I, I'm so mature. I'm so good. I, I can stand on my own. Famous last words is watch this. <laughs> Faceplant. And so oftentimes we just, we're not seeking the Lord as much. We're not praying. We're not quoting the word. We're not standing in faith. We're just kind of coasting. And we're not paying attention to our spiritual life. And all of a sudden, we're surprised by a temptation to cross the line. But when we cross the line, we know it. And so, again, sin doesn't come upon you like a seizure. Well, I just, I just committed adultery. Came on, I seized up and, and committed adultery. No, you choose to do that. And it starts with flirting. So, so if you're flirtable, that's where it starts. Don't be flirtable, you'll be fine. All right. If you, you are spiritual, restore such a one. There's a requirement for being able to restore somebody that is in any trespass. Uh, you who are spiritual, ask someone, are you spiritual? Because only spiritual people are qualified to help people that are carnal. Carnal people can't help carnal people. 
And unfortunately, a lot of carnal people are trying to help carnal people out of their carnality, and they're making a mess of it. And so again, spiritual. What, what is being spiritual? You walk in the spirit. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? You set your mind on things above. You set your mind on the things of the spirit. You're set on what's true in the spirit realm. You're born again spirit. What's true of you in Christ? Your mind is set on that. It's not the flesh. Carnal people are set on who they are in the flesh. They're set on themselves in the natural. So we need to call people up to who they are in the spirit by grace and faith. So if you're spiritual, you're going to see people according to the spirit. If you're carnal, you're going to see people according to the flesh. And so if you deal with people from flesh to flesh, then you're just going to escalate and have a flesh war. And so, no, we need to call you up out of that flesh into who you really are in the spirit. Brother, you don't need to be doing what you're doing because that's not who you are. You need to know you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to know you're holy and that you're blameless before the Lord and that you're filled with the power of God to step above this thing. And you just need to tap into it by faith. And so, again, we call people up by grace. And we bring restoration. Look at the word restore, such a one. The word restore means to mend. It was used to mending a broken bone. It was a medical term for setting a broken bone. It was also used of a fishing net where you mended a broken net. And so God's into the restoration business. I don't care how much that life has torn you. If it looks like you feel like that your bones have been broken, uh, your heart no, is more, can be more painful than your natural body. A broken heart can, can be restored, and the pain can, can be touched. But you, but you need to be open for restoration if you're that way, and admit it, I need help. Tell someone you might need help. Now tell someone else, you really, you really might need help. So, so we all should be in the mending business. Unfortunately, there's more rending in the body of Christ than mending. If we've become spiritual, we'll have grace thinking towards ourselves and towards others. We're not going to be critical. Legalistic person is critical. They're critical of the other people. Why? Because they're critical of themselves. And that's what they're receiving from God is criticism. And so you will always export what you import. We said over here, you will always export what you import. I want you to say that. Say, I will will export export what I import. import. So what are you importing? Are you receiving the love of God, the unconditional love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God? Are you receiving mercy for yourself? Are you critical of yourself and unforgiving? And and you're going to export that because you're not getting that from God. You're getting actually from the enemy acting like he's God. And he's going to act like the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God never drives you. He leads you. And so restore in the spirit of meekness. Someone ready to restore another is someone who knows well their own failings and weaknesses. They know their own weaknesses and failings in the flesh. But they also know how to walk in victory over their weaknesses by the grace and faith of God. And so they restore in a spirit of gentleness. We saw last chapter, gentleness is one of the manifestations of the love of God called the fruit of the Spirit. Only fruit-bearing Christians are spiritual, and they can only truly restore somebody that's carnal. So consider yourself 
lest you also be tempted. A modern translation is check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> because we can get haughty. We can get, oh, how did you fall into that? How could you do that? Oh, watch out. Your flesh could do that. Back in the 80s, you had some people fall, and then some ministers get up and publicly criticize that minister and really just blast them, and then you turn out later, they were doing the same thing. And then they fell. And so again, watch yourself. And so we need, we, you know, you have a full-time job just looking over your own life than being the undercover boss in someone else's life. You ever watch that show, Undercover Boss? You know what? Um, tell someone you're not the Holy Spirit. Tell someone else you're not Holy Spirit Junior. If, if you're born again, you have your own Holy Spirit. They got their own Holy Spirit. And so God hasn't called you to straighten everybody out. And so when you do, it's going to be in great gentleness and great fear and trepidation that watching myself that I could do the very same thing. And so don't go in it so critical of other people. And it says, considering yourself lest you be tempted, that means to be exposed to weakness or finding your breaking point. And so we all have weakness in the flesh. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about lay aside every weight. That's just things that you don't need to be carrying in life. Just lay it aside. It's weighing you down. Lay aside every weight and the sin. Not, it didn't say just lay aside sin. It lays aside the sin that so easily ensnares you. Everyone has the sin that easily ensnares them. You're the sin. It's not the same as the person next to you, the sin. And so we judge people in areas we're strong. How could you do that? Well, you have your own the sin you better watch out for, and you could fall yourself. Look at verse 2. Pastor, I wish you'd get off verse 1. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burden. Look at the word burden. It's a Greek word, which means something that's heavy, something that's crushing, something that you can't carry yourself. And so when we have other Christians facing things they can't handle in life, we're there to help them. Shoulder those things. What are some of those things? Well, first of all, if someone's caught in a sin and caught in devastating consequences for their actions, they don't need Job's friends. Job's friends pre preached sermons at Job about how he did it wrong, what he did wrong. He didn't help nitify Job at all. He didn't solve Job's problem at all, pointing them out where you did, where you did wrong and, and criticize them. You need to be Jeremiah's friends. In the book of Jeremiah, jo Jeremiah is thrown into a dungeon, and he's in the muck and the mire down in a dungeon. And it says Jeremiah's friends came and lowered towels and rags and they tied them down and put them under his armpits and lifted him up out of the mire. You need to be Jeremiah's friends, not Job's friends. And what, what's the difference between one's legalistic and one's grace? They realize if it wasn't by the grace of God, I'd be right where you're at, doing what you've done. And I found victory by God's grace and his power on the inside by faith. So when you lift up other people's burden, what's another example of a burden too crushing for people? How about a widow that's lost her husband, for, had been married 40, 50 years? All of a sudden there's a, a chasm, a hole in their life that they need other people to come in and help them. 
And so there's people in our body, in our, in our church today as lost people. Check it. I would just go to this. Say, you know, who, who is a widow or a widower in our church? And how can I minister to them? Can I, like, go and visit sit down with them and talk with them? And oftentimes we just forget and we just show mercy to someone the week of the funeral. But it's usually the month and the year anniversary and other things around that we continue to minister to them, those crushing weights. And when we do that, we fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love. Love. Love is what brought Jesus down from heaven. He could have just stayed in heaven and said, I have a wonderful relationship with the Father. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm pure. I'm loved. I'm just going to rest. No, Jesus' love drove him to come to where we were in the crushing weight of sin, and he put his, his back under the cross and took it to Calvary to bear our burdens for us. And he wants to use you as an instrument for him to bear someone else's burden today. Look at verse 3. For if anyone, say anyone. anyone. Raise your hand if you're an anyone. Okay, this is for you. And if you didn't raise your hand, this is really for you. Because <laughs> you didn't catch it. I'm someone special. This is for, I'm the special class of Christianity higher level, I'm, you know, I'm not even third year graduate, I'm a fourth year graduate, I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in the extra level of grace here. Look at verse 3, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. This brings out the fact that apart from Jesus, we are nothing. Your flesh doesn't like to hear that. Your flesh doesn't want to hear that, that apart from Jesus, you're nothing, can do nothing and have nothing. I, I love the in him truths. In him were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In him, I have all things. In him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to claim those in him truths. But guys, before you can ever enter into the in him truths, you need to well understand the in yourself truths. Because in yourself, you're nothing. In yourself, you have nothing, and in yourself, you can do nothing. Well, I can too. Well, Jesus disagrees with you. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do squat. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Zero with the rim knocked off. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. You're, you're a bag of chips and all that. Have you seen a bag of chips lately? If you can get them open, it blows your hair back because it's full of air. He deceives himself. Raise your hand if you've ever been deceived by somebody. Raise your other hand if you've been deceived by a Christian. There's a horrible feeling to be hooked by one that has a fish symbol on their car or a bumper sticker on their car. But let me tell you something far worse than being deceived by a Christian or by someone else. You deceiving yourself. And when you think you're something else in yourself, you're nothing. Well, Pastor, I would never think that. Well, it's subtle. The flesh is very subtle. The flesh will move in and try to operate where where uh, grace was it will try to mimic who you are in christ and so how does it do it pastor it leaves jesus out of it 
It says this, I'm the righteousness of God. You, you lie. You're not the righteousness of God. Yes, I am the righteousness of God. I am. Hold on a second. You left Jesus out of it. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things. Well, you just lied in church. I can do all things through Christ. See, see the flesh replaces Christ in religious garb. Tell someone, don't leave Jesus out of it. Jesus is the center of it all. All right, get off verse 3, Pastor. Verse 4. See if you like this one better. But let each one. We had an anyone. Now we have an each one. Raise your hand if you're an each one. Okay. Let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Each one. Every one of us, no matter how long we've walked with God, need to tend our spiritual garden. Uh, for example, raise, raise your hand, if God, especially guys out here. You're pretty proud of your lawn. You know, you work hard on that lawn. I mean, it's out there. You edge that thing and soon with one little dandelion. I mean, you are on this lawn and it's beautiful. And you've had the best lawn 14 years straight. Blue Ribbon Neighborhood Lawn of the Year on that. And you're so proud of that. But then you decide to take off the 15th year. I just won't really, you know, I might mow it or whatever. Guess what's going to happen very quickly? You're going to have dandelions, weeds, everything else popping up out of that thing. You have to consciously be guarding. I don't care how long you've been do, consciously guarding and tending your garden. You've got to keep current with it. Or you'll have weeds and thorns pop up. Examine your own work. The Lord is going to examine our work at the judgment seat of Christ. What manner is it? Is it gold, silver, precious stones? Is it wood, hay, and stubble? What's the difference? One's done uh, by the Spirit. It's done by the, by the will of God. It's done for the glory of God and done for others. What's wood, hay, and stubble? That's flesh. You did what you did for you, for your own benefits, and I can tell you, you can do, Christians, you can do the same activity and have two different motives for it. Let's talk about church attendance. Ask yourself, why am I here today? Why did I come to church today? Well, my spouse told me I had to. <laughs> look straight, don't look. <laughs> you know, some people don't come to church because they want to understand what Jesus has done for them and to glorify God and to worship Him and, and to give and to serve other people, they come for selfish motives. Some people come to, to run a business deal. Some singles show up for... Wood, hay, and stubble. I don't care how fine your wood structure is. It could be the finest mahogany. It's going to be dust and ashes one day. But guess what? You don't have to wait till Jesus to examine your work that day. You can examine your work today. You say, you know what? I, I, I've been, I'm coming really for selfish motives. You know, there's a lot of consumer Christians. They show up to church for what they can get out of it. 
No, church is more about what you put into it than what you get out of it. It's about serving one another. We'll look at that here in another verse. It's going to get better. Examine your own work, and then you'll have rejoicing in yourself alone and not in another. What is that talking about? There's a lot of comparisons today. You look at the other Christian over there and says, you know what, I'm doing better than they are. I feel good about myself. I'm looking, I'm doing more than they do. I feel pretty good about myself. I'm going to boast, I'm pretty excited about myself because comparing to a lot of people around me, I'm doing pretty good. God has never called you up to the level of other people. He's called you up to the level of the will of God for your life. Amen. He's called you up. That happens a lot of times in, in uh, sports. When you get ahead, actually a lot of times you coast, just playing enough to win the game. But you know what? I think because you're comparing, you're, you just want to beat the other person. I think the best athletes, they compete against themselves. Right. What's the very best that I can do? And I'm going to compete for myself to get better and better and better, not just to be good enough to beat you. That's the most successful athletes you find. And so it says that you will not have success in another. And so this is never the heart of God that you put other people down to make yourself look good. Legalistic people always are trying to look at others as making others look as bad as possible for they can look the best in themselves. That's the religious Pharisee when, they, when he was in the temple praying and there was a, pub, a Republican over here, I mean a publican <laughs> and a sinner over here. And he, says, he, he said he prayed with himself, Lord, I'm so glad you didn't make me like that guy. Boy, I do this and this and that and this and the other and this guy doesn't have anything together. Guess who's closer to God? He is. When you're criticizing someone, guess who's closer to God? They are than you are at the moment. And so, again, legalistic people are critical people. And so Jesus, did not, Jesus didn't come to make us look as bad as possible so he could look the best as possible. He never did that. We should not inwardly find satisfaction in the failings of our brothers and sisters. And if you're legalist, you rejoice when other people fall. You look at them and say, hey, well, look at that, their life's a mess. That's why, why do you think the hoarder show so, so, you know, so popular? You watch the hoarder show where you have six foot of trash all the way through the house. And you love watching that because like looking around at your little trash bin, like, I'm doing pretty good. I feel pretty good about myself. I just got a little stack of dishes in there. I don't have that. We should not inwardly find satisfaction in the failings of our brothers and sisters. I was flipping through the, the channels and saw there was an expose on a, on a family that had prominence for godly values, and now they're exposing all their dirt. And immediately my spirit was grieved that people would go on and watch that trash and find out everything they've done and everything, and they feed on that. And it's like, that's sick. We should pray for people. Not find joy in their, fa their failures. Amen. If you find joy in hearing the latest bad thing about somebody, you are carnal. Amen. You're on carnal cruise lines. Yeah. <laughs> you ready for, to go off this verse? <laughs> verse 5. For each one... We keep going to anybody, everybody, 
Each one, each one. Because we always have somebody think, I'm the exception. No, no, no. For each one shall bear his own load. Well, if you have a good memory, you just read in verse 2 that everybody, that we're to bear other people's burdens and loads and fulfill the law of Christ. This verse says, each one shall bear their own burden. Will the real scripture stand up? <laughs> this is a contradiction, Pastor. In the Word of God, a contradiction. Well, guys, I can maybe understand you having a problem with the contradiction if you find it in one book in the beginning of the New Testament, way over here, you find one seemingly contradiction, but not three verses separating them. Paul was not contradicting himself. So what is he talking about in verse 2 and what's verse 5? Different Greek words. Different Greek words. There's never a contradiction to the Word of God. You must dig a little deeper. Verse 2, it talks about that we are to bear other people's burdens, the Greek word baros, B-A-R-O-S, crushing weight. Bear other people's crushing weight. Here we have a different Greek word. For each shall bear his own load. The Greek word is fortion, P-H-O-R-T-I-O-N. It means a very light weight, easy to be carried. It was used of a knapsack that a soldier, each soldier got, had to carry his own knapsack that carried his supplies, and it, was, it speaks of private responsibility. It speaks of you have your own responsibility that God's requiring you to handle that no one else can. There's some things that God's requiring of you to do, like brush your own teeth, <laughs> put your clothes on, go to work, have a job. We're raising a whole generation of people that, wants, that has no responsibility. They want the world to do everything for them. They don't want to work anymore. Let, let the government take care of me, called socialism. And it makes sense, and the flesh loves that until you have to pay for it. Then you wake up and life slaps you in the face. That's called adulting. Adulting means life and responsibility slaps you in the face. You have your own responsibility. You know spiritual, you have your own responsibility. It's called, you need to pray, you need to, when you have a problem, go to God first, get on your knees with your Bible, with your Holy Spirit, and you work it out. If it's a crushing weight and you can't seem to get help, then you call other people in to help you, and so that's needed from time to time, but so many Christians are going to the phone before they go to the throne. So many Christians going around, do you have a word, brother? Do you have a word? Do you have a word? I got a word. Bible. You got one, right? You need to open it. Personal responsibility. You read your Bible. You know what's in there. You find that out. You ready for the next verse or are we okay in this verse? She warned you, I guess. I don't know. Okay, guys, to be honest with you, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. Me and you's like this. For each shall bear his own load. There's a balance in Christian life. Crushing things, we need other people to hook their faith with us. Paul was sitting in a Roman jail cell when he wrote Ephesians. And he saw the, a Roman centurion just uh, chained up with him looking over at his armor. He says, that's a lot like the things of God. You know, that breastplate over there, that speaks of righteousness, covers your heart. That helmet that you have over there, that covers your mind and your thinking, your salvation, knowing that controls your life, that you're, you're saved. 
You know, the shoes that he wore, that brings balance, that's peace. But then what's that shield leaning over against the wall? That's called faith. And the shield of faith, the Roman the centurion uh, armor, the shield had hooks on either side. Why do you think the shield had hooks? Because shield hooked to shield hooked to shield. You're stronger with the person next to you when you hook your faith with someone else's faith. That's why church is so important, where you hook your faith with someone else's faith. And when you need it, we hook my faith. Please agree, hook your faith with mine. But it doesn't mean that you don't, have, you don't choose to walk in faith yourself. And you have that responsibility before the Lord to spend time with him. And so again, verse 6. Let's try this one. Verse 6. Let him who is taught in the word. Raise your hand if you love the teaching of the word of God. Of course, you go to this church. You love the, love the word. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. And so we should become partners with those that are feeding us the word of God. And we should give where we're fed, not where we're begged. Andrew talks about that a lot if you listen to him. It says we should be giving where we're fed, not where we're begged. Now the Christians, they're just giving to where they're being begged, not where they're being fed. And so we need to keep a balance with who's feeding us. You need to know who's feeding you, trust who's feeding you, and we need more than just one person's input. Some Christians are out of balance. That's all they listen to is one minister, just one minister. And so we need more than just one minister, but we can have too many ministers. I think a good balance I found in my life is having three solid ministers I regularly receive from every week. I'll listen here and there, one-offs and stuff from different people, but regularly I'm, a, I'm receiving the Word of God from three main ministers I listen to every single week. When their podcast is up, I'm on it, I'm receiving it because they minister to me. This goes in line with, first, with in the book of Corinth. Paul says that there's many instructors, but you have three of them. I, Paul, Peter, and Apollos. And there was some in there saying, I'm Paul only. I only listen to Paul. Some say, I only, I'm a Peterite. I only listen to Peter. He's one of the originals. Or Apollos, oh, he's good with grace. Love his philosophy. He could really spin it, the words. And I love Apollos, and I only listen to Paul. He says, no, all three of are yours. All three are for you. And so listen to different ministers, but partner with them. Partner with them. And so if you're getting blessed by a minister... Feed them. Now, I'm getting blessed here. I'm being taken care of financially through the church. So this sermon, I'm an expository teacher, so I'm not here to get you to give me anything. I'm talking about other ministers outside the church you listen to. Partner with them. So into them. If they blessed you and you've listened and been blessed and blessed and given nothing, you're out of the will of God. God's speaking right there. He says, (laughs) yes. Share in all good things. What's good things? The natural provisions and finances. When you're being blessed, because the finances and the blessing in your life is through the revelation you've gotten. Well, bless back the natural blessing back into the ministry to those that are ministering to you. God has ordained it that those that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And so a workman uh, is worthy of his wages... And it's told, do not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Well, welcome. I'm your ox. (laughs) 
in the ancient day, your ox treaded out the corn. You put your wheat or whatever in a bin, and you hooked up an ox to a big uh, uh, stone wheel, and it went round and round, and putting the wheel over the grain, breaking it up, easier to, to, to separate it. And wise owners would not muzzle their ox. Why do you think some would muzzle their ox? Stingy, stingy, stingy. I don't want the ox, the ox eating any of my profits. But why is it good to take the muzzle off the ox? So he could eat and keep his strength up. Because if you starve your ox, it's not good. And so it says we should be giving back to those that are ministering to us. And so that's the word of God. It says share with him who teaches. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Why do you think Paul said don't be deceived? Because it's possible to be deceived. And often you are. Whenever says, Paul says don't be deceived, they are. Amen. Presently. Actually, the Greek says stop being deceived. They're being deceived. They're thinking, you know what? Uh, I can sow this and I don't, and, and grace removes consequences. You know, that is a lie that's being told in the grace camp, that grace removes all natural consequences for your actions. He's removed your sin and guilt vertically. You're not cut off from God when you sin, but God's grace does not remove all your natural consequences. If you have sex outside of marriage, God's not going to take the baby out of you. He'll help you through that childbirth. He'll help you raise that. He'll actually help you sow good seed. So the good seed overcomes the bad seed. And so you don't really need grace. You need mercy. Because God's mercy will help you with some of your crop. And some of your crop can have a crop failure. Can anyone say amen? amen. That's mercy. You need mercy, not grace. Because grace would have kept you out of that. If you would have tapped into it. So whatever a man sows, that and that only will he also reap. You can choose your harvest but it has to be in line with what you're sowing. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. You can't sow criticism all the time and expect blessing. What are you going to reap? Why is everyone criticizing me all the time? You will critical thing you. You criticize everybody else, so why do they always have a bad... Why do people run when I come up to them? Why do people change the mode and say, I got to go do something? You ask them out, they're washing their hair and they got other stuff they're going to do. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. That's not a bad news. This is good news, guys. You can sow good stuff and get a good harvest. Or if you sow bad things, you're going to get bad things. All right, you ready for verse 8? Because this is where we're ending. It's your last verse to get in on, on enjoying this verse. Verse 8. For he who sows to the flesh from God will reap corruption. Oh, I'm sorry, clueless translation. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. It doesn't come from God. God has nothing but blessing for you vertically. But if you sow in the natural, 
uh, stuff to your flesh, selfishness of your flesh consequences. You sleep on your, you, you commit adultery on your wife, consequences. You're still righteous, but your wife will slap your righteous face. Please God, I don't know about that. And I'm going to stay as far away from that. What does it mean to sow to your flesh? It's whatever you're doing and saying is for you. It's for self. Everything you do is for you. You're a shellfish. All clammed up in you. The unholy trinity running you, me, myself, and I. Everything's for me. Every decision is about me, what I want, what I think. It's about you. Met anybody like that? Don't look around. Those who sow to their flesh are takers, not givers. They're consumers, not givers. Like I said, there's so many Christians that show up to church, they're consumers. I come to get this, and I get Jeremy's awesome worship, and I want to run off to that church because Mr. Doodad's over there, and I'm going to go over here and get, I'd stop getting what I need here. I'm going to hop out of here. I'm going to go here, and you're hopping out all over. But now, if the Lord leads you, but the Spirit's not schizophrenic. You're a disciple, not a consumer. A disciple serves. It's more about what you're imparting and giving to a local church than what you're receiving and taking away from the local church. So we're to be a disciple. A disciple is a server. A disciple is a fruit bearer. No root, no fruit. No root, no fruit. So many Christians have no root anywhere. They don't stay anywhere long enough to be rooted. They don't bear any fruit. They're consumers. Selfish. They sow to the flesh. Those who sow to the flesh are self-centered Christians. They seek their own things. And in context, this whole thing about sowing was in the area of finances. It says if you're taught the word, sow financially, naturally back to those who teach. And then he brings about sowing. Don't be mocked. Let me say this. In context, we see how carnal you are, how selfish you are, how much you're sowing to the flesh or the spirit by your finances. I dare you and challenge some of you to go to your banks, to go online, download the last two months of your bank statement and then highlight, was this for me? No, there's natural things. You got food, you got to eat. But highlight in one color everything that had to do with you, which is for you, and then the, the highlight in another color what was for kingdom. And check the colors out. And it will tell you how much sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit you've been with. Jesus said in Matthew 6.21, please pop Matthew 6.21. This is Jesus. He's speaking red. And when I first read this, I said, Jesus, you said it back, you said it wrong. And he said, no, son, you're wrong. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> Jesus said this, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I said, Jesus, you got it wrong. It's, it should say, where your heart is, your treasure will be. 
And Jesus said, and I've looked at multiple different, Matthew, Mark, he said it multiple times. And every time he said it the way he just said it. Where your treasure is, there's your heart. This is good news because if you don't know, you don't like where your heart is, you can change it by redirecting your treasure to the kingdom and not myself. So go home, check out, just see how much self is involved in your giving. You're going to find out. You may not like what you see. So come back and smile at me and hug me. (laughs) But I'm going to leave you with good news. But he that sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Pastor, I thought I had it already. Yes, you did. But interesting life is Zoe life. Zoe is not so much a duration of life, but a quality of life. It's the God kind of life, God quality of life. You want the God quality of life? Be a giver, 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 not a taker. Be a giver. And that's not just finances. That's talking about your time and your talents, your efforts. Give yourself away to someone else. And you'll find joy, joy, joy. And the God kind of life filling your heart. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. That we'll take what we're saying in the correction of it. Because it's for our good. And Lord, we're going to realize, Lord, that we have the opportunity to have the harvest we want. But it's not going to be a selfish harvest. It's going to be for your kingdom. And when we put the kingdom first, all of our needs get taken care of. Father, I thank you that we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And all our needs are taken care of. And so, Father, we're going to put you first. So just examine yourself. Examine your work. How much self has been in there? Just about you and not the obedience of faith, what God's calling you to do. How often do you just make decisions about your money and didn't ask God about how should I spend it because it's the Lord's, not yours? How much are you making the calling the shots in your life and deciding we're going to do this and do that without checking in with headquarters first? So to the Spirit. Father, I thank you for the Word of God today. We're going to receive it and operate in it and be blessed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. There may be some who you want, you're maybe new to church or wonder why we sing in church. And I did a quick little search on singing to the Lord. I'm just going to read a couple highlights here. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Sing to the Lord for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. That's what we're doing this morning. That's why we sing. We're singing of the Lord Jesus that we know is our personal Savior. We're lifting him up together in the fellowship of the saints. We're joining with the heavenly hosts that are singing right now in the very presence of God. We're here on this earth declaring there is a Savior. And when we sing, we're releasing that blessing. We're releasing that out into this realm. And it changes natural circumstances. It changes It changes my mind. It changes your mind. When we sing to the Lord, we're like, you know what? We're saying, God, you're greatest, and everything else is under our feet. So we sing, and we keep on singing.